Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, I'm Alex Renham with Unleashed Tiger, and I'm here with Clay Riley, running for the 48th District House Delegates. Clay, thanks for coming on the program. Glad to be here, Alex. Hey, let's start with just telling us a little bit about what the House of Delegates member, what, what's, what's that role in your mind? You know, to me, it's somebody who is there as the voice of the people. I mean, you have a larger contingency, um, 100 people, 100 delegates within the House. So it's somebody who is there who is close to the people, who, who is out and about, who really gets to know the people, in this case, the 48th district, to be their voice, someone who understands not only how the state politics and the state policy moves the direction, but also how it impacts the locals to a greater degree, because there is a lot more of us. Yeah, for sure. Share with us a role or a challenge or some experience in your life that you feel at least in, in part has helped prepare you for this role. You know, I never anticipated I'd be in politics. I was an engineer, um, decided that I wanted to move away when I graduated college. But you know what? I was fortunate enough, and I say that, that my life changed. And my wife wanted, my now, now wife wanted to stay home. And so we made the decision that we were going to be West Virginians for life. And so as I've gone through that, I basically just took a job, a job that I didn't really anticipate I would stay long. I'm uh, and 22 years later, I'm still here and an owner in a company. But so that challenge was, how do you make the most of the opportunity? And I came in not knowing uh, everything that I needed to know. And I basically attacked it the West Virginia way. I worked hard. I put in the extra grit and grind. And, um, you know, so being focused and saying, I know that I want to make tomorrow better than yesterday. And it was basically that challenge of the unknown and having the faith in one, the company and the leadership, but also the people and, and how I was raised and the decisions that I would make. And I think, you know, that experience in making something that no one ever anticipated would happen, um, really, that, that's kind of prepared me, I believe. Yeah, it makes sense. So, so what's something you've done in the recent history that people can point to to say, yeah, this guy's ready. He's, he's ready to come in and represent us in the 48th district. You know, I tell you, one of the best things, so I'm an electrical and computer engineer by nature, but I passed my professional engineering license in water resource. So I've provided infrastructure throughout the state, throughout the mid-Atlantic. And so one of the recent things is, you know, able to be able to provide water service to people who don't have it. Just the basic necessities of a sewer system that, you know, I'll never forget it, um, about and it was about a year and a half ago, had a lady who she couldn't sit on her own front porch. And she said, you know, son, one day, I just want to be able to sit out here to not have this smell. And knowing that the fact that the work that I do impacts people's lives and the daily things that they can appreciate, that's one of the things, that, you know, being creative and how you fund these projects to minimize the impact to the ratepayers because we have limited funds in West Virginia. So it's easy to say, I oh, will just go borrow it all. But when, you've, when you're when you creative and you recognize that it's not raising the rates on somebody that you don't know, but it's raising the rates on your mom, your dad, you know, 
people who you got to look at every day, you become very creative in how you can solve their problems uh, in a cost efficient manner. Yeah, that makes sense. So if, if you're fortunate enough to be elected, how would you, what would be a successful term in office for you? How would you define that success? You know, I think I would define it. I've not been asked that question, but I would define it this way, Alex, is they can say he did the right thing. He made the hard decisions and he listened. You know, my wife asked me, she said, one, she asked me one time, she said, well, if you get elected, what's the first thing you're going to do? I said, I'm going to hang a sign in my office. And she said, well, what's the sign going to say? It's going to say you have to be able to argue both sides of the, of the position or both sides of the issue. Because I fundamentally believe if you're only able to give one perspective, you really haven't thought through it. So being able to give both sides, both perspectives, you know, it really tries to break that big divide that we fall into sometimes, that big political divide, and saying, hey, we recognize that this impacts different people in different ways. So that's, that's one thing. If they could say, you know, he listened to every side and he made the decision in the best interest of everybody, that would be successful to me. Yeah, that's so. So one of the things we talk about on this program all the time, and people are probably tired of hearing me say it, is we live in a republic, which means the public have to be active, engaged, involved, and and aware of what's going on. So I, I mean, I, I love your your concept, I and mean, people need to understand both sides of the issue, or sometimes multiple sides of the issue. So what yeah. is it you would ask the constituents, the people of the 48th district? What would you be asking them to do to help you be successful and see those other perspectives? You know, a couple different things. First, I'd ask them to be connected. Um, I, I would get out, I would say, you know, so one of the things, um, I'm a faith-based man, but I think you have to go to different churches. You got to go places to where the people are. So whether it's a senior community, senior citizens community building down in Lost Creek, or whether it's in Shinston, or whether it's the community building in Lumberport, but also, like I said, the individual churches, so you can see people, be connected with them. You have, give them a voice, reach out to them. I mean, one of the things that I've always heard and, and having experienced as well is you can't get a phone call back. And so being able to return phone calls, return emails, you know, while I'm sure you get inundated, it's still important that people's voices heard. It is a Republic. Yeah. Yeah. So in this district, this state, we have a lot of challenges. We'll talk about those in a minute, but what are our opportunities? What do we have that we can really just take advantage of in the state? You know, um, we have great people. I mean, I say that we really do. When you look at some of the things that West Virginians have done and how they can compete, frankly, I just think they need an opportunity. And there are times that we've created opportunities, but I think we also have to have accountability for those people who create those opportunities, who have the opportunities. Um, I can tell you, for example, my daughter. My daughter has uh, created some nice opportunities. Um, she just finished the Disney College program. And one of the things I told her was, listen, now you got to give back. You got to be able to, to reinvest that back in your community, not just I take the benefit. Now you got to make one times five and five times 25 and 25 times make 125. And so being able to continue to reinvest that, Alex, is where I think it's really critical. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are our challenges? I mean, so we got a ton of them, but what's keeping us from, from realizing some, some good successes? Well, I think sometimes it's our own frame of mind. And, and I said earlier, we like to be better yesterday, to tomorrow than we were yesterday. But we also have to be able to say, what's possible next week? And break that reasons of, I can't, 
So what if I could? And it's a simple mindset change. It doesn't mean that it changes everything overnight, but what it does is it empowers you to say, well, maybe if I did this, I could go a little bit further, or I could get a little bit more, I can make a little bit more happen. Um, and I think having that mindset that those, there are a lot of challenges. I mean, you know, we're declining population. I mean, we're 48th or 49th in education, but that doesn't mean that it's going to restrict us from what we can achieve. I mean, a little bit of extra hard work, a little bit of what could I accomplish is something that I think uh, is really one way that we can turn it. Yeah. So we are, we are talking remotely because of the whole COVID-19 thing, right? So, so there, there are challenges that come our way in those moments. Maybe they're weather related, maybe it's the opioid epidemic. I mean, they're, they're going to come in their various forms. Um, and, and if you're elected, people are going to look to you as a leader. And so what can you provide in terms of, of, of what would be your strategy or how, how would you as a leader um, help either, either a, help us prevent uh, instances that, that might occur or, or mitigate the damage when they do? Well, you know, the COVID-19 is, is, is an example. Um, one of the situations that we had within our business was, you know, we were not a mobile workforce. We had some people who were mobile. However, if you're looking forward and you see some of the changing landscape, you can make a contingency plan that says, hey, we're going to plan for the worst. We're going to hope for the best. But if it happens, we're prepared. And so, you know, that's one of the things I think as a leader that, that I would do for sure is to be able to say, yeah, we have some challenges, but what can we do to change some of the policies and grow our population? What can we do to recruit more business? What can we do to sponsor entrepreneurship? I mean, those are the types of things that you want to you want to change your population trend. You got to stop the outflow. It's not going to change overnight, but you got to create those opportunities. I think the technical education uh, focus has been great because we've seen an increase in that over the recent past with some you know, manufacturing is gone, but the oil and gas industry has provided some nice opportunities. And I think you'll continue to see some opportunities grow, come back in the manufacturing. Uh, as the offshoring comes back onshore, we're positioned well geographically um, within the United States and resource-wise to be able to create some of those opportunities. Yeah, so as you know, we, we talked about the fact that we polled the citizens for questions they wanted to to ask of, of the candidates. And there's some, some issue-based things I'd like to jump into. And, and one of the first ones that, that, that's always on everybody's list is school choice. What do you yeah. think is the right strategy there for West Virginia? You know, I, I'm, the right strategy, I think, is really accountability and opportunity. And one of the things is that school choice is important. And I don't think it should be determined by where you grow up, um, where your zip code is, as they say. But I think you can help change some of that. You know, my kids have some really great teachers. Um, they also have some that aren't so great. And I think if you can institute some sort of accountability within the school system, I think school choice becomes less of an issue because people are having a higher achievement, they're performing better, and you're recognizing the great teachers that are there. And, you know, there are some really good ones. And, and you want to be able, just like in the business world, you want to be able to reward the high performers and, and help the lower performers get better. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're, we're talking right now over, over broadband internet. That's an issue that's right on people's minds, especially folks who may live just a little ways away from it where either of us are right now and they yes. don't have any broadband or maybe it's, it's broadband, but it's really not great. So what, what would be your strategy for getting this, this, this much needed uh, asset out to everyone in the state? You know, I think what, so I, I have a great strategy on that. I think, 
one of the major issues with broadband are the make ready cost. And so you have power poles that are out there that serve uh, power to the houses, telephone to the houses. But the problem is, is there are regulations in which the pole attachments need to be made. What I would do is I'd push for an incorporation to allow broadband to be installed in the power zone. There's some studies that I've been involved with down in Virginia that allows for that broadband development without those make ready costs. You're going to have the opportunity from USDA, the reconnect program. They currently just allocated a hundred million. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, a couple hundred million that comes through that we can begin to do that. And if you can put it in the power zone and fix the make ready cost, which is basically moving lines, the installation goes down 80%. And now you're able to distribute it to a whole lot of places you could. That's uh, it's well needed. Uh, one of the other issues, marijuana, uh, whether medical, uh, recreational, what do you think uh, you know, is the right strategy for West Virginia? You know, I think there are definitely people who are out there struggling uh, that medical marijuana could absolutely help and benefit. You know, when it comes to recreational, I've always said that you can make money off of it. You have to decide as a state and a republic of, of whether you want to. Ultimately, I think that the federal government's going to take that issue up before long. Um, and so I think the right strategy is get medical in place, continue to develop it. As you've seen, continue to see some of the studies that are released from Washington and Colorado of the impacts of the recreational. You know, we're a, um, while we're a hard grinding, gritty state, we're also sort of an addictive state as well. And so, you know, holding on to some of our, um, some of the things of the past, I think is, is one of the things that concerns me about how we do that moving forward recreationally. Yeah. So, so here's a question for you. You're able to get your magic pen, start writing legislation. It zips through committee, goes through the house, uh, unanimous vote flies over to the Senate, Senate votes it, governor signs it in any legislation you want. What is that magic piece of legislation that you write? Broadband development. It is broadband development and power zone. It's economic development. You know, one, and it's entrepreneurship. I mean, it, it, it's a combination of all those things. There's not one silver bullet, but you're going to see an economic situation that we haven't seen in a long time. And, and, you know, I think with the impact of the COVID-19, you're going to, you've seen, you know, West Virginia typically runs about four, four and a half percent unemployment rate right now you're going to see that triple into the 15% come next month. I mean, you've just seen an onslaught of unemployment. So we have to create opportunities where people can have steady jobs and have a paycheck so that they can, you know, come home at night and, and know that they're going to have be able to put food on their table for their kids. And so if you can't do that, does it really matter whether you have all the other stuff? But if you have that and you're gaining some traction and you have some economic development, and now you can say, hey, we're developing broadband, we're pushing entrepreneurship, you're stemming the tide of people leaving, and you're making, I mean, it's a great place to live. So if you have a steady job, you know you're consistent, you can begin to look forward to those types of things. And I think that's really what, what I would do. That's a, so one of the, the questions we asked folks were, what, give us a lighthearted question, something to ask. And so uh, the, the question they sent in is, for what do you hold the most gratitude? Oh, my wife. <laughs> good answer, good answer. Well, no, I'm married up. And, you know, I've always said, now, you know, the most gratitude, honestly, um, 
I live within five miles as the crow flies of every member of my family. And you know, my immediate, my brothers, my sisters, my mom, my dad. Um, and you know, it's something to be able to say, I've seen them grow up. I, I get to have those Sunday meals. I get to go see that. I didn't have to leave West Virginia. I got to, ch I chose to stay here, had the opportunity, best decision I ever made. Um, because now I'm able to do something more than be just about me. I can, you know, begin to leave a, I don't want to say a legacy, but I can make a bigger difference than just on me and on my wife and on my family. And, and if you can do that, you know, I'm young, but the older I get, the more I like to look back and say, boy, I'm glad I made a difference somewhere in somebody's life. That's great. Well, Clay, as is customary on this program, we offer you the last word. What is it you'd like to tell the, the folks of the 48th district? You know, uh, what I'd like to tell them, Alex, is, is you won't find anybody who's going to work harder. Um, you know, I said I'll, you got to be able to discuss both sides of the situation. You do. You got to be able to listen. And those are things that I know I'm committed to putting in the time, the effort to hear what you have to say. Doesn't mean we'll always agree, but we will walk out being able to say, you know, Delegate Riley listened and he worked hard and I'll never fault him for that. He was accessible. He was able to return my phone call. We were able to have a good discussion. And frankly, I'm going to vote again for him in re-election. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Clay Riley, 48th District House Delegates. Thanks for coming on the program and good luck. Thanks, Alex. Have a good day.